to where American president's going, almost off to the Doncaster Hotel. American president right down the outside. He might trump a lot of them here. American president down the stand rail, just like he did at Canterbury. He's going to blow them away. That's been a massive win. But Andermatt is starting to edge clear under the riding of James McDonald and he pulls away the short favourite. Look at that, it was, um, it's amazing to see those finishes of racing, just those horses in isolation down the outside, a close-up of the camera. But boys, Brad Gray filling in for Ron Dovesey mm. and Corey Brown, that's what yesterday was all about. It was, it was. Um, we got to see a lot of their brands close up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, but the, the track has done an amazing job, like considering the rain that we've had, um, you know, I, you hate seeing horses come down the outside fence, but. Honestly, I think with all the, the rain that we had over the, the two months, I yes. think the track raced actually pretty good. I, yeah, I was, was going to say, I hope you guys had a good sleep, and I'm sure you did last night, but I reckon the, the best sleeper in Australia last night would have been Mike Wood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like after three months of torment from this rain, yeah. Yeah. it's finally all behind him. The track gets a break, yep. and now we can just rest easy and take a bit of a deep breath. Can't he you? really doesn't have to watch the radar with too That's much right. interest anymore. <laughs> you can block that website. What a, but it's been so long. Mm. All week, everyone is on weather watch. How much rain are we going to get? In the end, I think everyone gave up because it was just, it was always going to be heavy. Mm. Yep. No matter what day we went there, it was always going to be heavy, but they were all different heavies. Yep. Now, yesterday was different again with an 11 metre rail. Yep. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? You were kind of, you look at the, the forecast out there, it was a beautiful sunny day. It was glorious. It was actually too hot there at stages, yeah. dare I say, but you can be fooled into thinking that the track was going to race a little bit yeah. faster than it was mm. because you look at the times through the first race and the last 600 metres, the riding was on the wall, wasn't mm. it? 39 seconds the winner came home in yeah. the first race. So you knew from the get-go, guys, that it was going to be a slog and that's the way it played out. It just came down to which horse handled those conditions best. Yep. We had, I think, one winner over on the fence, J-Mac. We had two winners... The horses took the jockeys to the outside <laughs> exactly. fence. What, by the Doncaster Hotel. Yes, <laughs> but they took credit for it, don't, don't let me <laughs> tell you. <That's> right. <laughs> so Pike and Berry, they were passengers, yep. and the rest of them found those lanes. Yep. And we're going to go through in order uh, this morning uh, from races 1 through to 10 to show you how the day unfolded. Let's pick them up, Brad, as they come around the home turn in the first, and you can see where Bandy's boy is. He's only one, two off the fence, but look where he ends up. Yes, he doesn't finish there, does he? He just wants to get out a little bit at the end. And you think just halfway down the straight here, he's probably going to throw the, the race away as Zugotcha slips up the inside. But he just pulls too many punches at the end here. He presented beautifully in the yard, didn't he, Corey? Yeah, he it was fantastic. Did. He looked a million bucks as he yeah. walked around. And I don't think Zugotcha lost too many admirers here. No, I taking nothing away from the winner, but I, I just wonder, because he travelled so wide in his first start, whether he thought that was... You know, like that—that that was the, no, the normal path that he had to take. I know he didn't go down the outside fence, but um, I, I rode Smart Missile in a trial before the Breeders' Plate, mm. and the track was really, really heavy. And I actually took him to the outside fence in the trial, 
and he came out in the breeder's plate and he lugged off till he got to basically the middle of the track because he thought that that was what he had to do. You, you, so, you educated him? I, he was, I he, was no, a I, quick learner. I educated him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just wonder why, uh, well yesterday, I wonder whether he thought that he had to be right out in the middle of the track. And, um, or, or he's a good track walker and he just knew the best part of it. That's right, I'll take you out here, Willie. <laughs> exactly. He, uh, he he put the riding on the wall at his opening, uh, on his debut, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, he, horse. he, he showed something. Really well. yep. Let's go and hear from, uh, well, uh, Danny Williams, he was in Melbourne yesterday, but Willie Pike rode the first winner. I was on for the ride there. The horse said, we're doing this and we're doing that, and uh, I didn't really have much say, but uh, yeah, I suppose it worked. Look, I, I, his first start here, he obviously had no luck. He was right out in the middle of the track, but um, he's got plenty of upside looking at him. He does. Um, just hopefully his attitude, he starts coming our way a little bit more each time he has a start. He can, can learn and, and learn to apply himself better. He'll be good. He just knows where the fast lane is, that's all. <laughs> that's it. Uh, on to race number two, we interviewed Ed Cummings before the race and he, he sounded supremely confident. The only problem he had was how this horse, uh, this mare, Sunborn, would get through the heavy conditions. He, he would have been, uh, was almost declaring it had it been a soft track. Well, it didn't matter. The heavy track didn't matter. No, she was too good, wasn't she? She's always had a bit of a rap on her. She hasn't had a lot go right throughout her career. One day there she was involved in a bit of a scrimmage that saw a sideline for a while. Uh, she resumed without much luck at, I think it was at Warwick Farm first up and then she was sent straight to the paddock and what did Ed Cummings say? With the view to find some dry tracks. Well here she was first up on a heavy track and 1100 metres, you thought that might be a bit too sharp but she was really strong here. It was a lovely ride from J-Mac just to cut the corner and the fence was fine here. Uh, outside of this I thought Compassionate was okay given the rev up she received in the early stages. Winning verse was slow to recover and what about old moshed up another 5k jumps in yeah um it was interesting to hear j-mac after the after this race he reckons that the track was racing really really even mm -hmm. <laughs> he had he hadn't ventured out that's obviously why he stayed on the fence in the first two races um he changed his mind later on through the day but um yeah it was a super win to be honest he became a believer <laughs> later in the day <laughs> you, no, yeah you were waiting for a jockey late in the day just to to run that roulette, weren't you, to mm. take the inside, but it didn't happen. No, it didn't happen. Mm. Uh, all right, let's hear from Ed Cummings and also James McDonald. Nice to see you put another string to the bow, but um, look, obviously very thankful to Hugh. Uh, he sort of figured out uh, to some extent how she's best ridden. Uh, we got through that last preparation, notching a couple of wins together uh, back at her home track at Hawkesbury. Um, obviously, Hugh was in touch with James today and uh, gave him a few leads on how to ride her and, and James did a wonderful job and you know, obviously very pleased to see him stick to the inside fence and uh, she was always too good for them. So you'll go forward now with a fair bit of confidence that this could be a good prep? Absolutely, you know, you can only imagine how horses coming off this sort of track onto a, a dry deck would, would go and I think she'll only um, take more confidence, uh, greater strength out of today's effort and, and really kick on with things. I certainly are, uh, before the first and listening to you go, I rode seven seconds, I was thinking, oh, please don't do it to me. <laughs> Bit of a jinx, jinx there. <laughs> yeah, but um, luckily we got on the board with a nice performance there. Obviously, uh, he'd gave her one trial. Um, Huey was full of praises from it, and he was obviously booked on it, but decided to go and get put his feet up. Get a bit of holiday. Mate, I know we've been talking about the whole carnival with all the rain that's about, but how testing is that track? Oh, it's as testing as it comes. Um, it's not far behind that day at Canterbury where they were called off. Like, it was... It's just really loose and it's all over the place, but um, I couldn't say there's 
it's probably the most consistent has been throughout it has been lanes throughout the carnival but it's pretty good across that's interesting, Corey. I, yeah. we, we were we were talking before the first race. They were they were walking around the mounting yard for the first race, and we were talking about McDonald, who they put a price up yesterday. He was fifty to one to ride seven or more winners, mm-hmm. um, and I think um, what was he even money to ride three or more? But to ride seven, mm. he was fifty to one. You know, normally any other jockey would be. It'd be a million to one yeah. to ride seven. You, know, you can put any price you want. But we were talking about it into the mounting yard and it was going over the PA and he heard the story you told yeah. about it one day at Rose Hill. Yeah, very frustrating day, obviously. Um, I rode seven seconds. I give him every chance, though. <laughs> every chance. They just weren't good enough they on the day. They weren't good enough on the day. <clears throat> How do you ride seven seconds? <laughs> oh, mate, well... It, it, it's easy to ride seven seconds and what it is to ride seven winners, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> what, going into that day, what did you have? Did you, can you oh, remember what you had? I don't really remember. I know I had good rides. Yeah. It was actually, I, I think, well, it was in the thick of riding for John Hawkes yep. um, when Darren and I were sharing the, the, the rides. But I, I know I had a good book of rides, but yeah, seven seconds. What do you do when you go home after riding seven seconds? Lucky I never owned a cat. I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I remember the day like, vividly, um, and it wasn't until the, the seventh second, like I think it was like the, oh, I think we only had eight race program those, yeah. but I think it was in the last, and I come back in, and someone like Ray Thomas or one of the reporters go. Do you know you've had seven seconds? <laughs> <laughs> yes, went, Ray. Do you, do you reckon I don't know? <laughs> but it was, I, I know it was a really frustrating day, yeah. I, I, I think at the time I was going through a really sort of rough time as well, like not riding winners, and I think I, I may have even gone like sort of 40, 40 to 50 rides without riding a winner, right. and that was just the icing on the cake. That was just the icing on the cake, riding seven seconds. It is so hard. Now, so many riders have ridden five in a day. Yep. Hugh Bowman did it at this corresponding meeting a couple of years ago, yep. uh, and he ran second and going for six. Cassidy, Jimmy Cassidy holds the record at six, yeah. and that goes back to 1987, Sydney Metropolitan Saturdays. It's, to, ride, to ride any more than, like, four is a massive achievement. Massive. I, I never forget this. I was when I was riding in Singapore. Joe Marira rode. Uh, it was only a no, uh, nine-race program, and he rode the eight. Or, or, what, but going into the last race, he would have rode the whole program, only that the uh, one of the races was an apprentice race, so he never rode the the card. But um, going, he rode, in, he rode the winners he could ride in. He, mm. Every every race that he could ride in, um, he won. But going into the last, I said, just pull the pin, mate. Pull the pin. <laughs> and he's going, what for? Why? And I said, because, mate, look, it's like a record. I said, y- if you're riding the last, I said, and you get beat. I said, it'll just tarnish. Yeah. No, he come out and rode the last winner, 21. <laughs> it's like, mate, what a genius. But, um, but yeah, like I said, I think to ride any more than four winners on a, a program is a massive achievement. I imagine Pumper, too, that was only, what, an eight-race card. Like, there's no midways yeah. and no highways yeah. where you get ten cracks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 87. And he comes sailing down the inside fence <laughs> when yeah. they were all on the outside fence. So if, if and when a jockey does ride uh, six winners on a Saturday, that's going to be a, an unbelievable milestone considering you'll, you'll share it with a bloke like Jimmy Cassidy, yep. which he rode in 1987. Jeff Lloyd rode seven at the Sunshine Coast. Okay. I think that's the Australian record. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, the highway uh, here on Thoroughbred Weekly. Okay, um, 
the highway was taken out by Mr Hustle, a horse that ran in the Cosi Osco. He uh, tried to qualify for the country championships uh, through the Hunter Northwest, and then he had a crack at the wild card. He then ran in a highway, and then another highway and gets the job done. Here he is launching down the middle. He was very good last week because it was against the bias uh, where he needed to be close to the inside fence. So what I liked about this win, Corey, is that now he ticks that 1400 metre box. So it gives Cam Crockett a range of different options because that was the unknown going into this race. And he did it the hard way too. He covered ground and yeah. he was strong through the line. Keen contributor, probably a little bit unlucky, just missed that run that it and Formadec were going for that same little gap and it didn't get it. Formadec looked the winner there, but in the end, uh, Mr. Hustle was just a bit too good. I think it was a really good ride by Tom Sherry, although he was travelling wide. Um, but he, he only got exposed at about the half mile, um, got left out on a limb. But I just love the way this this kid rides. Well, he's not really a kid, but I, I think he's he's stealing with his one and a half claim. Mm. Um, I, he can ride from any position. Um, he's got a great great clock in his in his head. He just he's a really really good rider, Tom Sherry. He's he's going to make the grade. So you you'll think when he comes out of his time, he'll transition without a doubt. He's going through a little bit of a lull at the moment. Um, I know when he rode in the Coolmore, um, the horse of um, Marks, his bosses. Um, Slips me mind, but anyway, the, the front runner. Yeah, expat, she, expat, expat. Yeah, um, he got attacked the race, and I, I think he took it, you know, like he is if he'd done something wrong, but he didn't do anything wrong. It's just just the way the race panned out. But I just love the way that he rides. He can ride from back in the field. He can put him up on speed. He's just, he's, he's. I think he's the package. He's still got that one and a half at yeah. the moment. Cam Crockett and Tommy Sherry. He deserves it. He tries very hard. He's got. Everyone knows he's got a lot of issues, so um, the beauty of on, having him on the quick backup, we didn't do a lot with him all week. He's just trot and cantered. He was way too fresh here last week. We had trouble in the stalls with him, so I thought we'd um, back him up, and we've never done it before. Took his bloods on Thursday, and the blood basically said, back me. Right. What about next? Where are you heading? You've got a, you've got a hometown uh, cup meeting coming up in a couple of weeks. Yeah, there's an 84 uh, country cup. He'll probably go, go there, 1,400. There was a question mark over 1400, I don't know about today, this is a heavy, heavy 10 or more and he sat three and four wide, no fault of Tommy's, it's just the way things panned out, uh, but great ride, he just kept him balanced and let him work through his gears and uh, we've pulled it off, so I'm really happy, really happy for his owners too. I was going to be sticky sort of from barrier 10, but uh, there was a, he jumped really well and I had cover for the first half of the race and when really sort of pressed and, and set outside the lead, I was left out there on a peg, but um, he was in his comfort zone travelled quite well. Um, I just had the top of the straight. I thought he had a bit of a flat spot and I was thinking, oh, the, you know, the deep run might have took it out of him. But uh, he gave a really good kick again and he stuck to it the whole way to the line. Uh, there's a bit of a query about getting the seven furlongs, but he seemed to get it okay. Yeah, that's, um, I was always worried about that, being drawn out there and caught a bit deep. But as I said, uh, when he was travelling so well and he was in a really nice comfort zone, um, he sort of rewarded me late in the piece. There's Tommy Sherry speaking Irish, <laughs> and here's the Irish sequel, winning race number four. Uh, alias Jay McDonald, stalked by Pike. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you get the sense that well, I know Pike has been here a little while now, but he's sensing a bit of blood in the water, he's, isn't he, Corey? He's, he's got his starting, eye in. He's just starting, and he's looking very dangerous. Yeah, he's um, he's really, you know, he's worked the, he's worked the scene out. Um, he did the same in Melbourne a couple of springs ago. He got there way too late. He started like riding when the spring just started, and the, the following year he got there a couple of months before and worked uh, worked the system out. But he's definitely he's definitely put himself right in the middle of the system here in Sydney. It's quite amazing where we watch uh, the mounting yard from in our bunker 
in the theatre of the horse to look out our window where the jockeys line up to, to yep. mount up and you see the strength of the jockey colony and then all of a sudden Willie Pike standing there as well, <laughs> you know, to yeah. make it even stronger. Yeah. And he is going to be the next next season. He, he's w- yeah. whether he can beat a McDonald in a premiership, but he's he's going to be a big player. I, I think, Welcome to Sydney. Welcome to first grade. Yeah, champ. for sure, for sure. Um, I think James McDonald on the the second horse, Alias, um, was a fraction unlucky because um, <laughs> young Tyler come out, you know, like probably about the yeah, half mile yeah. and sort of <clears throat> injected a bit of speed in the race and. You could see Jay Mack look over his shoulder to the left Get out of it. to say, what are you Get doing, mate? You know, yeah. just sort of set the race up for, for um, Pikey to come off their backs. That's what I was saying, like, in the post-race interview. <laughs> I hope they play it. <laughs> and we, when, when we, we speak about this with Charlie Duckworth, who was there for uh, Chris Waller and also Willie Pike. I actually thought they might have ended up in the run the other way around, but um, anyway, it, it, it eventuated that way. It can often happen in small fields. Um, they often become tactical affairs. Uh, but yeah, as, as you said, James's hand was forced early, which is a bit of a shame because I think he would have got a, had, a, had a better turn of foot had he been able to sort of wait till 400, um, but a good result either way. Yes, it was a good result for Willie Pike who capitalised. Yeah, he did. He did. He's obviously um, hit his straps now in Sydney, and um, you know I think James will probably be hurting every time he sees Willie ride a winner as he probably sees him as a live threat for next year. Um, so, no, it's, it's good to see competitive racing in Sydney, wh- whether it's in your own stable or whether it's in the jockey rankings. And your Quinella there are both second up, so uh, there's more for this prep for both of them. Yeah, absolutely. Look, they'll get up over further, that's for sure. Um, both European imports, one, one from England and one from Ireland. Um, so, look, there's a, there's a really good ownership group in, in the winner who's bought, bought on recommendation of Dermot Weld, so um, look, they, they would have got a massive buzz out of that today and hopefully he can go on with the task now. A bit of pressure got poured on up front there, so I was lucky I got to stay out of that battle and have the last crack at him, but uh, it was all the difference. Did you reckon if the favourite didn't get softened up around about the you know, 800, 600, do you reckon you still would have got home over top of him? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you don't very often, well, <laughs> since he's been in Sydney, he hasn't very often smiled, Pike, no. he's, he's, but I think he's, again, he's just, yeah, he's, he's Spitted in there, just warming up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go in here. Greg Pritchard was out and about yesterday, catching up with trainers. Of course, next uh, week we go to Hawkesbury for their Saturday Metropolitan meeting. The following week it'll be to Gosford for the Coast and the Gosford Cup and the Takeover Target, and then the following week for the two-day Scone Carnival. So next week is Hawkesbury, and he caught up with uh, a number of trainers and stables uh, to see who was heading where. Damien Fitton yesterday was uh, there for the Chris Wallace Stable. Damien Fitton for the Wallace Stable, deep representation at Hawkesbury next Saturday, including Coast Watch in the Guineas. Yeah, Coast Watch, he's freshened up nicely from the uh, Doncaster prelude. Unfortunately, he didn't get a run in the Doncaster, but look, his work's been good since he's a little freshen up and he's in great order for that race. You could have up to five runners in the cup, including Wairiri Falls, Imaging, So You Win, the front man and a tissue. Yeah, look, uh, Wairiri Falls, he had a nice tick-over trial yesterday. He's in great order. It's just a starting point for him for the preparation. Uh, the mile will suit. Uh, a tissue. Uh, she's had to go back to the trials twice uh, to get her uh, certificate after failing to jump. But look, she's done everything right at home. Her trials have been good. Uh, Jay's been very happy with her, and he'll he'll continue to partner her for the rest of the preparation. Uh, the front man, he was terribly unlucky last start with Hugh Bowman aboard. Just had no luck at all. Um, big pen through that, and uh, he's very fit and ready to go. And it looks a really nice race for him. Uh, so you win. He's first up for the prep uh, with the Queensland Carnival in mind. Uh, it's just a, 
a nice hit out for him over a mile. His trial here at Randwick was good, uh, I think it was two weeks ago. Um, but he, he'll just uh, get the miles in his legs for Queensland. And imaging was the other? And imaging, look, he, um, he was a bit disappointing at Newcastle uh, a month ago, so he had to go back to the trials. Um, he's trialled well since, and uh, look, he, he's in great order. Um, we couldn't really put a line uh, against that uh, run at Newcastle. It was a very sticky track, so he's a better horse than that, but uh, from his work at home, he should be in with a chance. OK, let's uh, look at the next race, race number five. This is quite incredible. Even before where we picked them up around the home turn, American president, uh, he, Corey, he just yeah. he took hold and just headed towards the outside. It's, it's really difficult for a jockey. Um, it looks like Tommy Berry's doing nothing on it. But it, in fact, the horse has actually locked its jaw. And um, the, more, the, the more aggressive you try to be with them, to try and stand over them, the worse they become. That's what Tommy said. He was just trying to work with him and... Um, but it, it's, it is quite difficult for a jockey to try and steer a horse like that. When they want to take control, they take control. Brad, if you're not watching closely and, you're, and, you, and you just see Tommy Berry, an American president, head to the outside, with Tommy doing nothing, look at him. He's, do, he's doing nothing. And then when he straightens, he goes for him. If you don't watch it closely, you think, well, this is a dead set plan. But of course it wasn't. Yeah, it, does. it did look like a plan, didn't it? Absolutely. You didn't know what to think when he first spun off the track. You didn't know if the horse had gone amiss. And you say, oh, well, it's this horse. And he has a bit of a habit of doing that. And in the end, it created a little bit of a template, didn't it, yeah. for the rest of the meeting? Now, he obviously does this, but it was interesting in the stewards room when... Um, yeah, it was when the Greg... most interesting postscript across yeah. the meeting, wasn't it? Tommy Berry uh, went in to, to talk about it with the stewards. And then Greg Hickman came in and Steve Ralton said, well... We're going to find it very hard to bar a horse <laughs> who's won his last three. Yeah. But the, the main point was he's all right doing this on heavy tracks when he's a superior wet tracker. Mm. He's going to have a problem doing it on a dry. when the dry tracks come around and he, he, he won't be able to get away with it. And then, and then they'll have to seriously look at what, what mm. they can do. But a warning's been placed yeah. on American President. Let's go and hear from uh, Greg Hickman and also Tommy Berry just sort of wants to lay out a little bit and it shows that that's the fast lane out there. I mean, you've got to get a, you've got a good bit in the, on the fence and you've got to get across the, the, the bit in the middle that's not quite as good and then you've got to get out there and you just think he's back there, he's no hope. But it was Canterbury all over again. The horse had done really well through the week and everything was a plus-plus, but... Um, yeah, no, it was a little bit worrying at one stage, wasn't it? Well, we're just watching a replay up on the big screen and when they turn for home... I... It's hard to judge how many lengths he was off them, but he's, he's giving away a big start. Yeah, well, yeah, that's how it was. And it's ended up a win. Owners are happy. Very. Look, I expected to end up there in the straight because that's just what he does, and I wasn't going to fight him, but, geez, I was, I was a lot wider for a lot, lot longer out than I expected to be. Do you reckon if you had sort of started to control him or try to really be heavy-handed with him, do you reckon he would have went further and earlier? Yeah, oh, definitely. I, I'm glad I called Keegan this morning because he said, treat him with kid, kid gloves. And early on, I went to treat him with, with my sort of gloves and <laughs> it wasn't working. So I ended up going with him. I knew, I knew I was giving him a lot of ground and costing myself a lot of ground around the bend. But what else do you do? you just got to help horses like this. He was a superior wet tracker and he showed that again today. Now you showed me uh, yesterday on the Punters Intelligence app yeah. how it looked from the 
from the overhead. Overhead. You'll show that on Tuesday night? Yeah. About how much ground he lost and how much he made up? Yeah, it's fascinating. It doesn't have it in lengths, but it has it in metres. Yeah. And at one point there, when he shifts out, it actually costs him 10 metres. But then within the space of 200 metres, once he picks himself up again, he just makes up that ground yeah. like nothing. Mm. So what he gives away to then make up, it's hard to quantify, uh, but yeah, that, that does make it a little bit clearer. We'll watch on Tuesday night. Now, uh, back to Greg Hickman and also Tommy Berry. Uh, Greg Hickman is heading to Hawkesbury. He's got 11-11. And Tommy Berry, uh, he'll be riding Art Cadeau at the meeting. Yeah, look, it's a good starting point for him, Greg. Um, we started him off at 1,000 metres last time. He trialled last Tuesday. I thought he trialled super. And 1,100 first up will uh, be very good. What are the plans beyond that? Went ahead towards the Stradbroke. Um, he'll go 1100, then he'll go 1300 to Scone. Then I think there's a 1300 metre race just before the Stradbroke, and then a run in the Stradbroke fourth up. Last start at one another big one at the Gold Coast in January. 2.8 million prize money saved for. He's been fantastic for you. Yeah, no, he's been a good uh, money spinner for everybody. Um, there was a few little issues of getting him to going right in the early days, and we sorted that out. And uh, it's just all he wants to be now as a racehorse. Tommy Berry, you'll be going to the Hawkesbury Gold Cup next week with Art Cadeau, one of your regular rides for Terry Robinson. Yeah, no, he's um, he's obviously come back in really good form. He's had two good runs now. He was unlucky not to win last start, but at least he hasn't had a tough run and um, he'll be spot on for the mile next week. Terry reckons that was the best run of the horse's career. Yeah, it was. He, I, I, thought, he'd, I thought he'd improve off his last preparation. He's always showed that. And we've always thought he'll be sort of 1,400-metre miler. And... Um, but he is. He has, he's come back in great order. He was a little bit flat at the end of his campaign last time, but he had a good, well-earned break. And Terry knows him very well. He just kind of overtax him and space his runs a little bit. But as I said, with it, I'd probably be a little bit worried if he had a real tough run the other day, two weeks later. But having that comfortable run, even though he was unlucky, uh, holds him in good stead for the cup. Don't know how much he's told you, but he's got a long-range plan towards the big dance on uh, Cup Day. Yeah, well, why not? It's it's a good race for him, and um, you know he'd be very well suited in that sort of race, that's for sure. And Jermaine next week as well? Yeah, she's going to the Crown. Uh, she trolled here the other day um, at, at Randwick and very happy with the way she's she's come along. Um, obviously don't really want it too soft for her. Uh, if we can get a bit of a dry track, I'll definitely assist the chances. I wonder who was in the corner of Tommy's eye there. Uh, <laughs> now, we got to the middle of the program. Saw a bit of class here. Brad Gray, Quintello. What do you think? She was good, wasn't she? Yeah, so there was obviously some kind of plan from the stable. So they've come to New South Wales on the back of a really strong win at Mornington. She did it in good style here because we didn't know if she'd get through the conditions. I know David Eustace uh, said after the fact that they were very confident that she'd get through it. And she did show a little bit of class here. So what's the plan? I don't know. Are they eyeing off maybe something at Scone or is this just on the way through to Queensland? But no doubt in the world, Corey, that this looks like a horse that they can probably pinch a bit of black type with. And I Viewing her after she was unsaddled, um, in a coach, she's got a lot of improvement as well. She still didn't look, she wasn't shining or anything like that. She still looked really, really rough in the coach. So I think there's a good bit of improvement in her as well. McDonald becomes a believer of the outside fence. Yes, <laughs> yes, there you go. Converted. Uh, because um, he had Andermatt to come. Ah, uh, Look, again, I, I just, I lo really like the way this horse won. Um, I think she's got plenty of upside. Um, and I was, you can always tell with these jockeys the, the information they give you after the, the race with how good they've won or mm -hmm. how they've run. Um, and it just showed J-Mac and then later on the day, like I said, giving the horse to Pat. Yes. Um, and he was, he was pretty wrapped with this, this, this horse's win. So. 
Sometimes it's what they don't say, isn't it? Yeah, well, the, the, you, but it's but there. You, you can yeah. tell they're, they're wanting to sort of, in the eye. Yeah, mm. they're wanting to give you more, but they're they're keeping their their powder dry, so to speak. Mm. <laughs> um, Curly Curly wasn't there yesterday, but his training partner David Eustace was. It was good to see him in Sydney. You know, we we felt she could get black tie at this prep, mm -hmm. um, particularly on uh, wet ground, and we were confident she'd go through it. So. You know, she put the race to bed fairly quickly and um, hopefully we can stay here and, and also consider kicking on up to Queensland. Has she come back that much better this time in? She has, you know, she's European bred and she's taken a bit of time, just um, just immaturity. She's always raced quite, uh, quite well, she's quite a competitive mare, but she's just taken a bit of time to fully furnish and thought she paraded. Uh, paraded extremely well in the yard. She, she looked great. The team have done a great job uh, down at Fingal and she's travelled up here and we'll keep her here now. Mm -hmm. um, let her work through the grades, stay at a similar trip and, as I say, hopefully get some black tight. She's got plenty of improvement. She's obviously, she, she rides really nicely, um, probably stay a bit further than that as well. So she's in for a really good campaign. Obviously she's put two in a row now, so she'll uh, step up and I'm sure she'll be competitive whatever she runs in. Do you think she'll go with further? Yeah, I do. I think she'll run a mile. No, no drama at all. She, um, she uh, jumps away, puts herself in a good spot, makes her own luck, and got a good turn of foot, especially on that ground as well. So, if there's a wet uh, winter up there, I'm sure she'll run well. Okay, now let's get to the highlight of the day. This was the star, Ander Matt. How good is he? We're going to learn every time he steps out from here on in because he's put two together. Uh, we speak about this on the show a couple of weeks ago about people. They, they don't want to say Everest. <laughs> they don't, it's like it's a jinx or something. Yeah. They say, oh, he might be ready for that race. Or he might work out to be a horse that is running in a big race in October. It's like they, they can't bring themselves to say it. And McDonald does it in the post-race interview. Now, whether he is or not, it doesn't matter. But if he keeps improving, Brad, yes. who knows what sort of a sprinter he can become. Yeah, well, you've got to throw in the context of Godolphin having a slot too, don't you? Like trekking, in all due respect to trekking, he's probably on the way out. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got Pulele there, who didn't quite measure up maybe the way they were hoping for uh, the last couple of weeks or so. And outside of that, who is there? Special K, Kementari, and mm -hmm. if a horse like this continues to take those steps, and funnily enough, what do they do with him from now? Do they go to an Hortensia, maybe at Scone? Because that's been a bit of a, a testing ground for past Everest horses for them in the past, hasn't it? Yeah. Albeit the Luskin Star, but trekking, Osborne Bulls. Yes. It's been that meeting where... Yes the horses can take that next step and maybe put their name up in light. So he's got a way to go, but he's taken those first couple of steps. Yeah, I, I just liked um, Darren Beeman's comments. We're nowhere near the ceiling yet. Yeah, that's right. It, it just, yes. you know, like, and again, it's just to watch James McDonald, like his, his previous win at uh, Canterbury, on the pull-up, you, you know, like you, you pat all horses and you, you know, like you show them a bit of affection. And, but just the way that he patted that horse after Canterbury win, um, you just knew that he was feeling something special it's underneath the, it's him. The, it's the seal of approval almost. Yeah, it's just, yeah, like I said, you only really see J-Mac patting like nature stripping horses mm. like that um, with that affection. When you talk about over the line, when, when he, when he yeah, brushes yeah. the rain. <clears throat> Correct, and um, you know, to do it in a, a sort of a midweek race um, at Canterbury, the affection that he showed is just like, oh, he knows he's sitting on something special. Mm. Mm. And, and you can tell it in this uh, post-race interview, which we'll get to with Corey. Firstly, here's Darren Beaven. He's getting close to that ceiling. <laughs> there's, all, there's always open to improvement. Yes. But, um, you know, he couldn't have been any more impressive uh, his last two starts. So, um, you know, he's only got to keep 
uh, racing the way that he's racing and um, you know the team they look after and they give him give him their chance and he's um, he's he's really ticked pretty much every box now. Benchmark racing on heavy tracks it's probably dangerous to get carried away but would you be surprised if he turned out to be an elite sprinter? Yes, uh, no, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised because um, knowing what the horse has got and just the feedback you get from the riders um, and, you know, he's really becoming the com complete package. It was better than what it looked. I made a long searching run on him um, just so I could get to the spot I needed to get to and um, just keeping it simple, but um, he's improved so much, this horse. You know, that race, <laughs> he might be up to it, but uh, he's definitely progressing that way. How much further do you reckon he would have won by if you opened up the shoulders? Oh, he, the, the thing is, when I, when I hit the front, it was way too early, but he had to do what I do to get to the spot I was in. But he, he just, you'd just feel him idle. And then once he joined, once that, um, the, the little um, Dragonstone joined me, he just went to another level and scooted away. And he'll be just as good on, uh, on soft, soft ground as well, you know. He doesn't need heavy. The J-Mac pad of approval. Now, let's Keep go back. Keep an eye out for that in the future now. Yeah, yeah. A little form reference. That's right. <laughs> it, and it could appear out of nowhere. That's right. Let's go back to Darren Beeman about the uh, Godolphin attack at Hawkesbury. Darren Beeman for Godolphin. You'll naturally be represented in Hawkesbury next week. Cry Dearest in the Cup. Yes. Um, he's run the other day. It was a bit of a question mark about it. He got a long way back and never really got into the race. He was out of the race before he was in the race. So, um, you know, he's, he'll, he's obviously taken good improvement out of that run. He, he was quite big and burly. Um, and he wasn't being able to sort of get knocked about. He sort of run in a bit of a dead end there. And But, look, he's uh, he's only got to run the sectionals that he was running last time to be to be right in the race. Milana in the Guinea, what sort of chances there? He's, he's a really nice up-and-coming colt. Uh, got a lot of time for him. He's won his last two very impressively. He won here over the carnival on the first day of the carnival. So um, this is a, be a good test for him, but I think he'll... He'll he'll hold his own against that against that class of horse. Okay, we're up to uh, race number eight. This was the second leg of a winning double for Mar and Eustace Le Chevalier, Sam Clipperton. Uh, this was pretty easy. Yeah, it was. She loves Sydney, doesn't she? She seems to grow a leg up here. That obviously coincides with these wet tracks. She's now four from six on heavy ground. It was a lovely ride. It was a great from, ride. From Sam Clifford, wasn't yeah, it? Just yeah. gave her plenty of room, found the right part of the track, and once she clicked through her gears, there was just no getting past her. I guess, what do we do with Diamel from here? I think we could be a bit forgiving. Copped a bit of a, a scrimmage there, and I know that J-Mac said after the race that he wasn't all that comfortable on the heavy ten. Him and um, Rachel King um, got into a bit of a bumping duel. She was obviously trying to pocket him, put him away. But um, again, taking nothing away from Sammy Clipperton's ride, he, he rode this horse really, really well. Like Down the back for the first furlong and a half, he obviously made tampering the, the eventual leader work just to get across him. Then he, he, he pulled back, ambled away out um, at the half mile and got to the outside of the field. He knew where exactly where he wanted to be, um, but it was just a good, technical, perfect ride. He's going really well, Sam. He is. He's gone to the next level, to be honest. Yep. And I think Marzu's helped along the way too, riding that good horse, yeah, Marzu. confidence, isn't yep. it? Yep. Confidence is so much. Because yep. he sort of like, he just hovered there when he came back from Hong Kong for a long while. He just, he didn't sort of rush into it. Mm. Um, and he just, he, he probably wasn't getting the opportunities, 
but the last two months he's been riding out of his skin. He's been going great. Uh, once again, David Eustace and Sam Clipperton. Sam, I thought he summed it up really well. He popped out at the right time and she just built through her gears nicely. She, she stays further, which we discussed beforehand. And so he got her rolling and she's just stretched nicely for the line. So great for the team to get a double here and um, hopefully we can win the last. Yeah. What about uh, the future for Le Chevalier and how high you might raise the bar for her? Yeah, look, she's probably not totally dissimilar to Quintalo. Possibly doesn't have quite quite the same class, but she's got a nice rating. Um, we'll aim to just let her creep through the grades up here. She loves wet ground, as she's obviously shown here today. And if she can sneak into a stakes race at some stage during the prep, you know that'll be great. Look, with this, um, the track it, it changes the your plan. Um, you know, even down the back there, we were racing three or four off the fence. So. Um, but I just elected to come back behind Kieran McAvoy and, and travel and then down the side, knowing my mare um, gets out over a longer trip and is a superior wet tracker, I, I was, wasn't concerned in, in popping in, putting into the race a bit earlier. Like you say, it's, uh, if you can get to that, at about the 3.50, that top of the straight there, um, you're in with a good chance. And I was um, always confident that she, uh, she was third up today, going to be cherry ripe for a, a testing mile. And um, yeah, she was too good. She's a, uh, a horse that um, can get out to 2,000 and um, the team have her going uh, really well. So she was always building for a big run today and uh, she's run accordingly. All right, in the uh, ninth, they got to the barriers and uh, O-President got his leg up in the stalls and was a late scratching. So all of a sudden, Taksu, he, he virtually won the race before the gates open. I don't reckon. I don't reckon uh, J Max would have beat him anyway. Probably not. Not the way he won. No. Uh, just ha they, they sort of handed up. I think a little bit too soon. Um, but I, I, I don't know. This horse is a nice horse. Tyler's got him worked out now. Um, when he when he rode him at Newcastle and he dropped the the near side rein, he should have picked that up because he's a horse that needs a bit of roughing up. You know, like to to make him do his best. But um, Tyler's got him worked out now and. Yeah, they basically just handed it to him the first furlong. It was a barrier troll. Mm. It was. <laughs> Bit of a six home too. That's the way to ride him, isn't it? Just yep. stay in speed. Yep. And you look at the splits and Tyler just got it bang on. Like yep. it was pretty much 12.40, 12.40, 12.40, 12.40, which amazes me as yep. someone who's never ridden a horse, how jockeys have that clock in their head yeah. and just to get that so accurate, yep. it's such an amazing skill. And for the punters who backed Tatsu and thought no matter what happens here, he will beat O President, they took a fifth off what you were going to get yeah, back. Right. I think you got copped about $1.80 or $1.70 after the deduction. Yeah. Here is um, here's Joe Pride. It was an easy watch, wasn't it? It's probably a shame that horse come out in the end because I don't think he would have beaten him, but no. anyway. It's, uh, yeah. I just know that the guys at work had him going for a decent punters club bet, and now they'll get half of what they were going to get, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, right. that's all right. They collect. Uh, owners are happy. Uh, he's a nice horse, isn't he? He's come a long way, this preparation. He's calmed down a lot, and uh, we're really starting to see the best of him. Okay, so what what do you do with a horse like Taksu, which uh, going into that race was a benchmark 84? Yeah, keen to keep him on some soft tracks where I can get them. Um, they're starting to get a few wet tracks up in Brisbane, and sort of got one eye up there, but mindful there's good prize money down here as well. So uh, we'll be nominating for a few races. He's uh, certainly had three runs back. He seems to be going, and well, he is going really well. And uh, I just wouldn't mind keeping him on wet tracks. I think he... Uh, well, it's pretty obvious he enjoys it. Yeah, he got a great lead. He switched off comfortably and really the track was just his friend today. Getting to the outside where he loves to hang to and just took all his kinks out of his armour. He's got a little bit of a mind of his own. How was he today? 
he was actually okay when I wanted him to go out. He was thinking about it. He was balking at the crowd, but um, he hit the line strongly. I thought he was a very strong win. It's like a track work gallop, 6 home too. Yeah, definitely. Bit happening at the back there. Party at the back. Yeah. Hey, party it's all the, the rage, isn't it? Well, yeah. now that Collett's out for a, for right. a period, um, we'll keep an eye on Tyler when he takes <laughs> the cap off. Here's uh, Joe Pride about what he's taking to Hawkesbury. Brutality is going to run the cup, and uh, my plan was to run um, party for one in the guineas. And uh, she's, she's been racing really well. Ran into Espiona here the other day. Um, Brutality hasn't been enjoying the real heavy tracks here, so he'll get on a better surface, more to his liking, on, uh, on Saturday at uh, Hawkesbury. And what's the latest with Private Eye after coming out in Brisbane today? Yeah, just having a look at him over the weekend, but a good chance we're going to head up to Queensland. Hey, there's Joe, and now to the final race of uh, the entire carnival. It wasn't a carnival day, but Ramwick now gets a rest. And what do they say about greys on wet tracks? Oh. Well, not with every time, but this was the last race at Ramwick for quite a few weeks, and look at big Bethan Court scoot over the ground. He, he was gliding. Wasn't he? He did. He's getting whiter and whiter. He's almost see-through, isn't he? That's what, that's what happens. You will learn at maybe a much later stage, and if Corey, if Corey ever takes his yeah, cap off, if Corey ever takes his cap off, you will know that that's exactly what happens. Hence why I'm wearing it. <laughs> um, but it was actually, I thought it was a really, really good win. Um, he got over the ground like it was a, a six or a seven, um, and even better because he threw a near side front shoe. Yep. Um, Jay didn't realise where or when it happened, but... Um, but yeah, it was, it was a little bit the same as the second last, a bit of a bit of a barrier troll. Kim Moore's had a couple of uh, winners recently, both greys on uh, Sydney tracks, and here she was after the race. I know out the back when they were looking at them all in the enclosure, they were saying it was disappointing last start, but they didn't do their form too good because he had heart arrhythmia. Went terrible, but that's what they do. And um, he trialled enormous last week at Warwick Farm, and I couldn't have been happier with him going this race. I scratched him out of the mile because the track was so heavy. I thought the 1400 would be like a mile today. Yes, so, it was. And it was, yes. He just gets through it. He's a big, leggy grey. He's a beautiful horse. He's always had a lot of potential. He's had a lot of issues along the way. But when he's right, he's a very handy horse. Well, that's great. Uh, at the end of the carnival, a uh, couple of wins, back-to-back -back wins at Ramwick. Yeah, we love wet tracks and we love greys. <laughs> it's a good tip, isn't it? How are you, gonna, uh, how are you looking for... Um, Hawkesbury, Gosford, Scone. They're coming up in the next three weeks. Yeah, I've got all my greys ready. Have you? <laughs> More? <laughs> no, seriously, I've got uh, great news running next week yeah. and Trump will be running hopefully on a better track. Yes. And, uh, and French Bonnet in the midway. That looked effortless. Um, even better now, I've seen he threw a front near side shoe. Yeah, I don't know when that's come off, but just goes to show how quickly he's going. But uh, he really cruised throughout that, sort of just sat nicely off the the leader of gaze and he just got in his own rhythm and I was fairly confident a fair way out that he was going to give me a good kick because um, he just seemed to glide through that ground and obviously we found the better part of the track and he just kept lengthening for me. Yeah no he looked the winner a long way out um, it always maps off for you but you didn't let the leader get too far away but oh, mate honestly he got across the ground like it was a, a you know like a seven or a six. Yeah that's certainly how it felt too um, I just kept the favourite in my sights and sort of got his momentum moving forward from the 600 and um, he did the rest. It was pretty effortless in the end. We've got more updates on Hawkesbury coming up after this break, but when we return, Michael Maxworthy takes us through the features in Brisbane yesterday.
Well, we had an action-packed day of racing in Brisbane yesterday at Doomburn. First of all, we had pretty much four seasons in one day with the weather, a few showers here and there, and after race number two on the car, we had a track downgrade to a heavy A. We did have a couple of uh, late scratchings because of the downgrade, but we were also pretty shocked early in the day when we had news that all of Rob Heathcote's horses were withdrawn by order of the stewards and that changed the market completely and the complexion of the race for the Mick Dipman plate because Prince of Boone at the time was the $2.80 tab favourite and his stablemate Star Tontes uh, was well in the market as well. Well, the first of the three features was race four on the program. It was the Princess Stakes for the three-year-old fillies over 1,600 metres and Mokalua started the favourite at $3. Canadian Dancer reached the lead with 100 to go. Tarangas in hot pursuit, then Mokalua, but Canadian Dancer. Canadian Dancer going great guns and beat Taranga. A hoisted O'Day Quinella. Mokalua had its chance in third. The familiar colours of proven thoroughbreds striking there, running one, two with a couple of very nice fillies going forward. Both of them trained by Steve O'Day and Matt Hoisted. Steve O'Day said after the race that the winner Canadian dancer is likely to go to the Gold Coast in two weeks for the bracelet. The other filly, Taranga, she's a little bit more dour and he'll probably keep her for the roses and then onto the oaks. Uh, Mokalua didn't appreciate the heavy track conditions there, it appeared. Now to the Mick Dipman plate, with no Prince of Boom, there wasn't that much pressure up front. Um, Glistening had led in the early stages, Rubiquitous was straight outside the leader, and Brad Stewart on the eventual winner, Rubiquitous, made the right move at about the 700 when he rolled to the lead, and Rubiquitous kicked strongly in the home straight. A, a few of the charts here, Rubiquitous, Miss Hipstar, on the outside, Joyous Legend, Stella Magic is coming through late, Down by the 100 metres, Rubiquitous still in the lead. Rubiquitous is fighting. He's fighting hard. He's fighting strong. And he'll beat Miss Hipstar. Third joyous legend. Fourth Stella Magic. Fifth glistening. Alpine edge no run on. And ditto no run on ingratiating. So Rubiquitous for popular trainer Chris Anderson taking out the Mick Dipman plate. There was a little bit of drama after the race. Uh, the runner-up there, Miss Hipstar's rider, alleged some interference. There was a protest, but I believe it lasted around about 60 seconds. There was a little bit of a bump at the 250 metres mark, but Rubiquitous, I think, was always going to win the race. Beautifully handled by Brad Stewart. The runner-up there, Miss Hipstar, was quite good. Regarding ingratiating, who was the favourite for the race to get off and run, I'd forget that he went around at all. He was back in the field, there was some rain during the running of the race and he just resented it and didn't have much clear running in the home straight and he probably wants something a little further. On to race eight, the tab tails over 1600 metres and the Queensland Derby winner of 12 months ago, Cucaracho, was the favourite here at 440 and he was aided by a beautiful Jimmy Orman ride from the inside barrier. Cucaracho is flat to the boards after the Rulo, Hale Manhattan switched to the rail, then came Sir Kendra Man and Jukon running on. Cucaracha has taken the lead narrowly. There's no gas in the tank, but he's home. Cucaracha! Cucaracha beat home Derulo at Hale Manhattan. Neville Morgan, the owner of Cucaracha, was here to see his pride and joy salute. Neville said in an interview with Bernie after the race that he simply loves Queensland, this horse. He won the derby last year and he'll now head towards the Gold Coast, the Hollandale Stakes, but he'll be bumping into a couple of big guns there, uh, likely to bump into Zaki and also Ayrton. Great ride by Jimmy Orman and he's developing a really good association with the Gold Coast Chris Wallace stable. I thought the runner-up was terrific.
terrific there, Derulo having his first go over 1,600 metres. He, he sat up on the pace there, exposed, but held on pretty well. So that was a quick wrap-up of Doombin Racing yesterday. Stradbroke season kicks off this coming Saturday at headquarters at Eagle Farm. We've got plenty of great racing coming from over the road. The Tab Victory Stakes is going to be a highlight. We're likely to see Rothfire and also the Queensland Guineas is going to be a super race again this year. Thank you, Maxie. Yep, it's, uh, it's all hotting up up there and uh, it's all hotting up at Hawkesbury as well. Some more updates on Hawkesbury for next Saturday, which is the Sydney Metropolitan Meeting. Uh, John O'Shea and Chris Lees with an update on their runners. Yeah, we've got uh, Birdebeck resuming in Kerwin's Lane, uh, second up off a good run, first up here at Ramwick. So um, Birdebeck's got a good record, the mile at Hawkesbury and, and Kerwin, uh, yeah, he's got a great second up record, particularly at a mile. You've got to move quickly to get the good jockeys. I believe you've got Bowman on Birdebeck. You've got Bowman on one and young Tom Cherry, who's got a great record on Kerwin's Lane, will ride him. The Guineas? Uh, Coda Healy and I Am Lethal. Um, Tom Berry on I Am Lethal and Tim Clark on Coda Healy. You like their chances? Well, I thought they... Uh, well, poor old Lethal doesn't like the wet ground, so we're desperate for a good week there. Uh, and Coda Healy was a tad unlucky in the South Pacific the other day, got a little bit too far back, uh, but made good ground on a day where it was difficult to do so, ran fourth, so he wouldn't need to change a great deal to be in the finish. And the Hawkesbury crown for the fillies and mares? Fashionelle, uh, she's been trialling the house down, uh, but has been unable to get to the races because of the ground. And we'll give her a tick over trial on Tuesday. and. Uh, you know, she's uh, had good form last season and, and, and is desperate to get to the races, hopefully this Saturday. And you're going to send one around in the two-year-old race? Yeah, we've got a little horse called Awesome John, uh, obviously not named after me, and uh, he, he had a first-up run at Kembla the other day on very heavy ground. Uh, we think quite highly of him. Uh, 1,400 would suit him, but he, he just needs a, a little bit firmer than a heavy 10. Chris Lees, you'll be represented at Hawkesbury next Saturday, including Locker Eagle in the Guineas. Yeah, he's come through his recent run here at Randwick quite well. It was very testing ground. Hopefully he gets better ground there at Hawkesbury. And I think um, he's certainly up to a race like the Guineas. Wonderbar going around? She'll be nominated for the Crown. Um, we'll just decide after a Gallup Tuesday. What about beyond that in the coast at Gosford? Uh, probably looking at taking a horse like Kinlock, who ran well in the Tamworth Cup on Friday, and possibly Rustic Stirl. OK. So that's it. All right, I think you might be back at Hawkesbury next Saturday. Yes, South might so. be another week. Yep. You'll be there. I'll It'll be, be there. It's something different, getting away from um, the city and it's a different atmosphere. And by the sounds of all those interviews, this meeting's going to be pretty good. What yeah, to look does, forward to? It does give that impression. It sounds like we're going to have capacity fields. And if we do get a dry track, the trick's going to be trying Stop to... It. Trying to <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. It's trying to measure up those horses that are coming from wet form for the past two months all of a sudden on a dry deck. So. Mm. That's your job. Yes. Thank <laughs> you. Enjoy the week. Thank why you. That's <laughs> why you paid the big money, mate. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> all right. Corey's putting his cap in for a dry cleaning this week too, which is yeah. big news. Uh, thanks for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.